Thanks for downloading or purchasing this sermon from Christchurch Forward. To find out more, visit forwardchurch.co.uk or join us on Sundays. Luke chapter 1, beginning to read at verse 57. When it was time for Elizabeth to have her baby, she gave birth to a son. Her neighbours and relatives heard that the Lord had shown her great mercy, and they shared her joy. On the eighth day, they came to circumcise the child, and they were going to name him after his father Zechariah. But his mother spoke up and said, No, he is to be called John. They said to her, There is no one among your relatives who has that name. Then they made signs to his father to find out what he would like to name the child. He asked for a writing tablet, and to everyone's astonishment he wrote, His name is John. Immediately his mouth was opened and his tongue was loosed, and he began to speak, praising God. The neighbours were all filled with awe, and throughout the hill country of Judea, people were talking about all these things. Everyone who heard this wondered about it, asking, What then is this child going to be? For the Lord's hand was with him. His father, Zechariah, was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has come and has redeemed his people. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he said through his holy prophets of long ago, salvation from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us, to show mercy to our forefathers and to remember his holy covenant, the oath he swore to our father Abraham to rescue us from the hand of our enemies and to enable us to serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. And you, my child, will be called a prophet of the Most High, for you will go on before the Lord to prepare the way for him, to give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins, because of the tender mercy of our God, by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven to shine on those living in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the path of peace. And the child grew and became strong in spirit, and he lived in the desert until he appeared publicly to Israel. Father God, we thank you for your word and that you speak to us so that we might know you, that you bring light so that we might know the way of truth. And we pray that as we look into your word now that you would guide us and that you would help us and that we might be a people who rejoice in all that you have done. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, do sit down and pick up your Bibles again, turning back to Luke chapter 1 as we continue in our series, Christmas Hits, this time Zechariah's Song. I wonder whether you know the words. I find it kind of funny. I find it kind of sad. The dreams in which I'm dying are the best I've ever had. I find it hard to tell you. I find it hard to take. When people run in circles, it's a very, very mad world. 
That was the, the chorus of the Christmas uh, number one in 2003, uh, Mad World by Gary Jules. Uh, a song which seems to be about a man who realises there is no point in existing. A song about being unimportant and repeating the same things over and over and over again and getting nowhere. Christmas number one, Merry Christmas. It's interesting as I've looked at different Christmas number ones, though he's not the only one to bring up those kind of thoughts. And I think of the Band-Aid song. You know, it's saying we pretend everything's okay at Christmas, but the song goes on. But say a prayer and pray for the other ones at Christmas time. It's hard, but while you're having fun, there's a world outside your window, and it's a world of dread and fear where a kiss of love can kill you and there's death in every tear. And the Christmas bells that ring there are the clanging chimes of doom. They're songs which focus on the, the world around us, the pain that the world at large has, but others focus on our immediate relationships. Mark Cardell sang, You say I love you, boy, but I know you lie. I trust you all the same, and I don't know why. Because when my back is turned, my bruises shine, our broken fairy tale so hard to hide. Well, I could go on, but there's many Christmas number ones which seem to focus on the fact that the world is not as it should be. The reality that there's pain in our immediate relationships, there's pain in the world around us. And we see it on our news screens every day. Refugees fleeing terror. Terror inflicted on the streets of Paris. Even in our own city this, this week, Caroline Everest, the 18-year-old student found dead in the River Porter, and then a man arrested on suspicion of rape. You see, we could go on and on, but it's just there. We could pretend, we could put our heads in the sand and pretend all is well at this Christmas time. And yet if we're not going to put our heads in the sand, where do we find rejoicing at a time like this? You see, as we come to this Christmas hit in Luke chapter 1, and we come to Zechariah's song, I think it's a song which doesn't put its head in the sand, but deals with the world as it is, but shows that there is a place where we can find rejoicing and joy. Zechariah ultimately gets to the end of the song and says, there's a God who we see in verse 79 will shine on those living in darkness and in the shadow of death. You see, what is that shadow of death? It's the experience that we have of this world which is filled with pain and suffering and evil, the pain of sickness, whether physical or mental, the suffering we confront as we come face to face with evil and ultimately which we face when we face death itself. And Zechariah says something gives light into that situation. And it's something which we can then give praise to God about, which can cause us to rejoice. Now what we'll see in these verses, I think, is that we might have a certainty about what God is doing, which overflows with praise. Because the Messiah comes in fulfillment of the past and bringing the light of salvation. And so firstly, we might have certainty which overflows with praise. Do you know, this song is a composition of Zechariah. Now, you might remember Zechariah. We meet him right at the beginning of Luke's gospel. He was a religious man, a priest, 
A man, a religious priest who was selected one time to go into the temple of the Lord to burn incense. Not all priests did that routinely. It was a privilege that only some did during their career as a priest. And Zechariah was selected for that joy and that privilege. In the time that he went into the temple, he got into the temple and an angel appeared to him and told him that his wife would have a child. It was remarkable because, as it says, his wife was well on in years. And people who are well on in years, I found, don't normally have children. And in the face of this wonderful news, this amazing news, Zechariah is someone who was deeply uncertain. He was filled with unbelief and he was filled with doubt. And if you remember the story, as a result, Zechariah wasn't able to speak for the whole time of Elizabeth's pregnancy. You can imagine what that time must have been like. Not being able to say what you wanted to have for your tea at night. At the dinner table, you couldn't ask for the salt to be passed. You went into the shop and you couldn't find your Henderson's relish and you couldn't ask the shop assistant where it was. Ordering a coffee and not being able to say you wanted sugar in it. Getting lost and not being able to find directions because you couldn't ask anybody for help. Although it seems Zechariah got quite good at um, at sign language as we saw as he got the name John signed to everyone. But I wonder how you would react if you couldn't speak for nine months I remember treating people after having a stroke and one of the, the things, the people who couldn't talk, they became so frustrated and many of them became really angry, the fact that they couldn't speak and you would see the anger and the frustration building up. And for Zechariah, it was God who had made him dumb so that he couldn't speak. And you might imagine Zechariah, a man who was fuming inside, thinking, how dare God do this to me? But as God humbles this religious man, the priest, brings him low, when Zechariah's mouth was opened, did you see what happened? He spoke praise to God. We see it in the the naming ceremony for for John. Zechariah concurs with his wife that the child was to be called John. He wasn't to get the name Zechariah Jr. or anything else. He was to get the name John. And as he says that, as he signs John to the people, his name is John, his mouth is opened and what comes out is not cursing, it's not grumbling. What comes out in verse 64 is praise to God. It's quite remarkable. After the nine months of his silence, Zechariah must have had much time to think and reflect. And in that nine months of thinking and reflection as a man who couldn't speak, he opens his mouth and praises God. He is transformed for someone who is deeply uncertain about what God says to someone who is full of certain faith. And the first thing out of his mouth was praise to God. And we see the point in verse 68. The whole of this song then that he sings is a song of praise to God. And you see verse 68, praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel. You see, his faith, his uncertainty of what God was doing was turned into certainty. And as it was turned into certainty, he was overflowing with praise for God for all that he had done. And what we see is he is overflowing with praise because the Messiah was coming. The Messiah was coming in fulfillment of the past. That's what we see in verses 68 to 75. Now Zechariah rejoices in his song of praise to God, rejoices because of three things. 
Verse 6 to 8, he says that he has come. He has come. He has come to visit. He has come to bring help. That God was coming to help his people. And because he is coming to bring help, it brings Zechariah to his knees in praise and rejoicing. And as with every sentence in this song, this was a, a phrase which has a rich Old Testament background. Because in the Old Testament, when God came to his people, when he visited his people, he brought them aid. He saved them. We've been learning in Exodus in the mornings, and it says there that God came to his people. And as he came, he rescued them. He saved them. When God comes, he rescues his people. And so Zechariah rejoices because God has come. Secondly, it says he has come and he has redeemed his people. You see, God was rescuing his people. He was buying his people back. Redemption from enemies which were oppressing them. You see that in verse 71. Salvation from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us. It's the same thing in verse 74. To rescue us from the hand of our enemies and to enable us to serve him without fear. God has come. God has made redemption for his people. And thirdly, he has raised a horn of salvation for us. You see that in verse 69. Zechariah praises God because he has raised a horn of salvation. Now, it wasn't a, a meaning a trumpet or a French horn that blasts a sound. No, when he's saying it's a horn of salvation, he's speaking about an animal's horn. Do you know when, the, when a bull charges at you? I don't know if you've ever had the experience of a bull charging at you. But the point that you want to get away from is the point of the horn. Because that is where the strength of the animal was. And what Zechariah was saying here is God has raised a horn of salvation. He has raised a strong, powerful saviour. He has come. And so Zechariah praises God for this strong horn of salvation. Now at this point we probably should ask, who is John, who is Zechariah speaking of? You see, Zechariah's son John has just been born. They were having a a naming ceremony for him where they called him uh, John. And you might think that he was speaking of his son John. And yet after nine months, he's not praising his son John and what he was going to do here. Rather, he's thinking of another child who would be born as the Messiah. A child that we read about last week when we read about Mary. You see, Zechariah was praising the Lord Jesus here. It was Jesus who was coming to visit his people, who was bringing salvation, who was the horn of salvation. Now we know it wasn't John from the very next line in the song. You see, the horn of salvation is being raised up in the house of his servant David. You see, John came from the house of Levi. His father Zechariah was a priest and all priests were from the house of Levi, not from David's line. But this one who was to come was from David's line. The great king of the Old Testament, he was Jesus. And with the mention of David, we see that this Messiah was coming in fulfillment of all that God had promised in the past. You see, that's why we should have certainty which overflows with praise because the Messiah comes in fulfillment of the past. You see what what Zechariah says in verse 70. As he, that is God, said through his holy prophets of long ago. 
What God spoke in the past through his prophets was now coming to fulfillment in this child who was to be born, this horn of salvation from David's line. And it causes us to rejoice because it causes us to see God's faithfulness to his promises. The Jews knew all about God's promises in the past and now those promises were being fulfilled in their time and so Zechariah praises God. Now Zechariah points to two particular Old Testament hopes and expectations. The first we've already seen, that there was a new Davidic king who had come. And if you want to follow this up, you should read 2 Samuel chapter 7 where you read about the promise that King David received. Now in that chapter, King David, the great warrior, had fought many battles. He had brought peace to the land of Israel. And the people were now living in rest in the land. They were able to serve God freely and to do everything that they wanted. And yet David, as he sat in his great palace made of cedar, he thought it's not right that God, God's house is still a tent that we carry around. And so he wanted to make a, a new temple for God, a house for God. He wanted to make him a, a place worthy to be called his house on earth. But in that chapter, God says to David, you're not the one to build this temple. Rather, David, I'm going to build you a house. Not a physical house, but he was going to build David a house, a kingdom, a dynasty that would last forever. And one of his descendants would sit on that throne forever and ever and ever. And that king would bring salvation, rest, peace, security. That king would be the horn of salvation. And the powerful horn would do what David had only partially done. The powerful horn would give rest from the enemies. He would enable God's people to live in peace and security and so be able to serve God without fear and without hindrance. They would be able to live God's way and and enjoy living that way. That's what we see in verse 74. You see what what the Messiah was coming to do? To rescue us from the hand of our enemies and to enable us to serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. No rescue from the enemies outside who oppress us and still do. Sometimes those enemies who oppress God's people in severe and terrible ways. Other times it's oppression, but just in, in minor ways. When we face the ridicule for being Christians. We will be freed from that so that we might serve God freely. It also defeat the enemies on the inside which hinder us from following God. And when we have the desire to follow God and yet we do the things we don't want to do. And Zechariah rejoices that he was alive when that horn of salvation who was going to free them came. The promise was being fulfilled. You see, that's what we find in Jesus' death on the cross. He defeated all enemies. Jesus has now been exalted to the highest place. He is seated at the right hand of the Father. And as he sits there, we are told he is placing all enemies under his feet. And he will return as the victorious king and make what he has already done a full reality for us. And so we can rejoice in the horn of salvation. And when we look at the world and see the mess that it's in, 
We know that Jesus, the horn of salvation, has won the victory. And he will come again and bring all things to complete and final, that final reality to all people. So we can praise God now. But that's not all. As Mary did in her song, Zechariah also points to the great promises it made to Abraham. Do you see verse 72? To show mercy to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, the oath he swore to our father Abraham. Now it seems a little strange at first, I think, reading to see God showing mercy to Abraham by, showing, by remembering his covenant. Now Abraham had died 2,000 years before this. And so how was, how was it that God was going to show mercy to Abraham? Well, you see, I think, I think the thing is that 2,000 years before, Abraham had committed himself fully to God. He had given up everything to follow God and the promises God had made to him. And God made great promises to Abraham. You can read of them in Genesis 12, 15 and 17 in particular. Abraham gave everything to follow God and yet he died without seeing any of those promises come to fulfillment. Was Abraham naive to have followed God in that way? Well, Zechariah saw that he was not because in his day, the horn of salvation was being raised. The one who would bring all those promises to fulfillment was being born. The whole world would find life and blessing through one of Abraham's descendants, just as God had promised. You see, Abraham's faith in God was not misplaced. It was absolutely right. And when we put our trust in God, it's the best thing we can do because the horn of salvation has come. And that one who came will come again and bring us to full and certain freedom. And so we can have certainty which overflows with praise because the Messiah came in fulfillment of the past. But also have certainty which overflows with praise because the Messiah is bringing the light of salvation. That's the second thing we see in verses 76 to 79. Now to make this point, Zechariah begins by pointing to his son's John's role. You see in verse 76, John was going to prepare the way for the Lord. He's going to call people back to God to get them ready for the coming of the Messiah. Verse 77 says that John would give them a knowledge of salvation. That salvation is going to come through the forgiveness of sins. And yet he then goes back to focusing on the Messiah. The Messiah who comes in verse 78 because of the tender mercy of our God. Remember we heard last week of the tender mercy of our God. The the mercy of our God in which he brings up the poor and the humble. The mercy of our God which actually humbled the proud Zechariah so that he might see the truth of God's salvation. And the knowledge of salvation, the tender mercy was that all people would ultimately know this God themselves. See verse 78, God's tender mercy is seen by the rising of the sun which will come to us from heaven. Those living in darkness and in the shadow of death, we will see the light the Messiah will bring. All people should be able to see that light now. And again, it pulls on Old Testament language for the coming of the Messiah. 
If you've forgotten Carols by Candlelight are coming in just a few weeks. And during that, if I give you a foretaste of one of the readings that we will have, we will read this from Isaiah 9. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has been born. A light has dawned. For to us a child has been born. To us a son is given and the government will be on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. And the child that John would prepare the way for was the Lord Jesus. He prepared the way so that all people might be ready for his coming. If you flip over a page in your Bible, we'll see what, you can see what John said. That John came preaching a, a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins, just as Zechariah said he would do. And he quotes from Isaiah 40, in his preaching, and you see it at the end of verse 6, chapter 3, verse 6. Do you see what he says? And all mankind will see God's salvation. See, as John came preparing the way, he said, all mankind will see God's salvation. Those living in darkness can see the great light of salvation which is found in Jesus. You see, the poem or or song or whatever you want to call it that Zechariah um, writes here doesn't deal in abstract. It deals with the brokenness of our world where people live in darkness under the shadow of death. And yet the world that suffers in this darkness under this shadow of death finds light. But the light is only found in the Messiah who comes. The light is only found in Jesus, God's own son. And if you flick back a page to Luke chapter 1, do you see how he guides us? Verse 79. The one who brings that light and shows us that way, he will guide us. He will guide our feet into the paths of peace. See, the Messiah that comes will guide us not not so much giving us a peace of mind, some kind of emotional state. No, he will lead us in the path of peace. That peace which is ultimately a state which Christ will win, about being at peace with God. The light of salvation that Christ will bring will lead us on the path so that we can have actual peace with God. What does it mean to have peace with God? We'll think back through the things we've seen. It will mean having our sins forgiven. And John will proclaim that forgiveness is what people need, is how salvation came. And the Messiah will show us what that looks like as he dies on the cross for us. It brings peace with God. Peace will come as our enemies are defeated, the ultimate enemy being death which hangs over us all and which causes men and women to fear the future. Jesus will destroy that enemy and bring us peace. Jesus will come and lead us on that path. Showing us that to be free is to understand him and all that he has done for us. You see, he came to bring the light of salvation for us. 
That salvation that he came to bring would lead him to the cross where he would die facing the curse of God on our behalf. And as he did that, he defeated our enemies. He brought us sins forgiven. He cleansed us so that we might be able to serve God without fear. And as Zechariah's mouth was opened on that day as his son was named, he moved from someone who was weak, who had stumbling faith, to someone who had been humbled by God, someone who had certainty. As he had been able to think and ponder and read, he became someone full of hope then in what God was doing. And as his mouth was opened, that first thing that came out was this great song of praise to God. For he saw that God was raising up the horn of salvation for us. In fulfillment of all God's promises, the one who would bring light and give the knowledge of salvation. And that brings joy and peace and delight. It brings us joy and praise. Joy and praise even as we recognize the world around us is not as it should be. The knowledge of this Savior can bring us to praise. Because we know what he did and we know what he will do again. And so let's resolve to be people who praise God for what he has done in the Messiah. In fulfillment of the past and bringing the light of salvation to us here and to people in this place as well. Let me pray. Father God, we thank you for uh, the Lord Jesus. We praise you that you have kept your promises and that as Zechariah saw, so we see that the Messiah was bringing great life to this world. That you were keeping your promises as Jesus was born and that you have brought us a great light of salvation which can guide us in the path of peace. May you move us if we are uh, uncertain and fearful and full of doubt about what you have done. Help us to be certain in all that you have done and so overflowing with praise for you. And as we praise you and as we sing and tell of the great things you have done, we pray that others might come to know Christ as well. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.